Joshua chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We're only going to be in a couple of verses this morning before we make our commitments. And, and actually, the children of Israel, Joshua was leading a group of people, and they found themselves in the same position we find ourselves in today. And, uh, and so I just want to walk you through some biblical principles that you can apply to your personal life and that applies, applies corporately to us as a church. And so while you're turning to Joshua chapter 3, I want to tell you a story about a man. It's a true story about a man. I've, I've read many of his story, life stories, his biographies, autobiographies. I've read a lot about this man's life. This man was an inspiration to me in ministry. His name is D.L. Moody. Now, D.L. Moody was, was, was one of the world's finest evangelists. Uh, he was born in 1837, so he, is, he was before Billy Graham. Uh, he was back in the days before social media, technology, radio, TV, uh, traffic, uh, uh, transportation, the ease of transportation that we have today. And this man preached to well over 100 million people worldwide. So he's a very effective evangelist. But let me tell you a little bit of a story about D.L. Moody's life, the one that impacted me the most. And when D.L. Moody was young, uh, he had the equivalent, he was raised on a farm, he had the equivalent of a fifth grade education. And so D.L. wasn't very well educated. He didn't have a large vocabulary. And so when D.L. Moody was, was at the age of 18 to 19, his mom sent him to Boston to live with his uncle. And his uncle owned a, uh, a shoe store there in Boston. And so D.L. Moody became a shoe, shoe salesman in his uncle's shop. And one day, a Sunday school teacher from a local church came in to buy a pair of shoes. And so as this man was buying a pair of shoes, he, uh, D.L. goes to the back to the inventory to get a pair of shoes for him. This man follows him back and says, could I have a spiritual conversation with you? And so this man in the back room of that shoe store led D.L. Moody to the Lord. D.L. Moody accepted Christ at the age of 18 to 19. He also invited D.L. Moody to his church. And so church in those days was a little bit different than, than our days, that, that you had to apply for church membership. And then the church decided whether they would receive you or not for church membership. And so D.L. Moody applied for church membership two different times. And both times the church turned him down. And the church turned him down because they said, we just don't know that you have the intellectual ability, the intelligence to understand what God has done in your life to be a Christian. In other words, we don't think you're smart enough to be a Christian. And so they, they turned him down. But D.L. Moody wouldn't give up. And so D.L. Moody applies a third time for church membership, and this time they accepted him. And so also with their tradition, when they would receive new members, they would receive new members on Sunday nights, and they would announce the new members to the congregation, and then they would ask the new member to, uh, to do like a 15-minute devotional on, on something out of Scripture. And so this pastor knew about D.L. Moody and his, 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 his fifth-grade equivalent education, lack of knowledge and lack of vocabulary. So this pastor waited until there was a really sparse crowd on a Sunday night. It was snowy, the weather was bad, so there weren't many people there. So this guy finally decides, you know, today, tonight, we're going we're gonna to announce to you a new member, D.L. Moody. And he said, D.L., why don't you come up and give a devotional? And so D.L. Moody gave a 15-minute, fumbling, stumbling, awkward devotional. And then he goes and he, he, he's, he, he's seated. After the service, a lady comes up to D.L. Moody. She was highly educated. She was very well refined and proper, and she was very wealthy. And so she comes up to D.L. Moody after the service and says, D.L., can I, can, I, can I tell you something? And he said, sure. She says, I just want you to know that I hope you never publicly talk about Christ ever again. 
You have totally embarrassed us with your use of vocabulary and your use of the English language. I pray you will never speak publicly about Christ ever again because you're an embarrassment to the body of Christ. And D.L. looks at her and says, Well, ma'am, all I know is to do the very best I can with what I got. And he looked at her and said, Lady, can I ask you a question? Are you doing the very best you can with what you got? I have lived my Christian life trying to do the very best I can with what I got. Fact is, that's a question God asks every one of us. Are you doing the best you can with what you got? See, God is not looking for the super talented. And God is not looking for people with a great ability. He's looking for people with great availability. People that are just available to Him. That, that just want to follow Him in obedience and purity and just walk with Him and just follow Him. Just to advance the kingdom of Christ. And this is a big weekend for us. I mean, we started this journey together. Actually, we started this journey 20 years ago, but it just brings us to this point. But over the last eight weeks, it's been this consecrated effort that we've been looking at. Am I doing the very best I can with what I got? And God may have given you a faith number to commit to this project just the same way that he has with Karen and I. And you may be wondering this morning, how, he, well, how will he fulfill it? How will I be able to fill it? I'm telling you, if God gave you a number, He will fulfill it in your life. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua is leading the children of Israel, and he's leading them to the promised land. And, uh, and, they, and they have to make a decision, and they have to make a decision to walk in faith. It's kind of the same place we find ourselves in this morning. We have totally run out of room. We've added services. We've done everything we can. There's not a one of us in this room that, that wants to be the one that just hangs a sign on the front door says nobody else welcome because we're just out of room. And we're going to have to make a decision. And we're going to have to make a decision individually and as a church. Are we doing the very best we can with what we got? And Joshua, after spending time with God, tells the children of Israel that when they see the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic of the presence of God, when they see the Ark of the Covenant move before them, then they simply just, just follow it. In other words, they just simply, just in obedience, they just simply follow God. And so here's what Joshua said in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. He said, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. And we're going to walk through this. We're going to understand these two passages before we make our commitments. And so he says, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will, will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. You know, in other words, follow God. In other words, this, God has already been where you're going. That's why you can trust Him. That's why you follow Him. Because God has already been where you're going personally and collectively as a church. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. All Joshua was asking them to do is just do the best they can with what they got. And just walk in obedience. In obedience, there is joy. In obedience, there is provisions. In obedience, there is protection. In obedience, there is surprise and there is blessing. But they had to make the decision to move. Listen, let me tell you something about Scripture. Sometimes you cannot truly understand the Bible until you obey it. Sometimes in life, 
Some situations in life that you really, truly, you cannot understand Scripture until you simply obey it. And so we've made a decision, like the children of Israel, that we're going we're gonna to move, that, that God has something more for us in Pueblo, and that we're going to move to our promised land. See, Joshua and the children of Israel had been in the desert for quite some time, and they decided they couldn't stay there and follow God. Listen, let me tell you something. You cannot stay where you are and follow God. God has a next step for every one of us. That you got, God is moving. That's why they call it the Christian life. That's why they call it the Christian walk. None of us have arrived. And that you cannot stay where you are and still follow God because God is moving and there's a next step for every one of us. And so they had to decide. And they had to decide to cross the, the River Jordan uh, to, to, to their, their promised land where they wanted to enter their promised land where there's blessing and there's holiness and there's obedience and, and there's provision. I mean, when you look at Joshua, you realize that Joshua was his passionate leader, that Joshua didn't care if anybody went with him. He's just going. I mean, he was that guy that he didn't care. He knew God had called him to do that, and whether people go with him or not did not matter to Joshua because Joshua was going because he was passionate about the challenge. He was passionate about what God had called him to do. Oh, and in the promised land, in the promised land, there were giants in the promised land. See, the problem with the promised land was this for, for, for the children of Israel. There was a Jordan River, and the Jordan River was at flood stage. And what made matters even worse, God was leading them to cross the Jordan River at the widest point. Not only was there a barrier to the promised land that they had to walk across in faith, but the second thing is this. Once they got in the promised land, there's giants in the land. And there's this king of Jericho that is in the, in the land. And this king of Jericho was, was, had never been defeated. And he was a fierce king, and he was a fierce enemy. You know why there's promise? You know why there's giants in the promised land? You know why there's giants in your promised land? You know why there's giants in my promised land? You know why there's giants in their promised land? Because giants in your promised land is God's insurance policy that only people of faith will inherit the promised land. They had to walk by faith. They had to take the next step. So I just want to give you three principles out of Joshua chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It just applies to us corporately and applies to us personally as well. The first one is this. Don't expect God to do for you what you can do for yourself. Don't expect God to do for you what you can do for yourself. I mean, in following Christ, there's our part and there's his part. There, there's unconditional promises of God and there's conditional promises of God. There's conditional promises of God where God says, if, if you do this, I'll do this. There's unconditional promises of God as well. And so this is a conditional promise of God. In verse 5, he said, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. In other words, Joshua didn't say, Hey guys, a great day's coming. Just sit around. Just do nothing. Just hope it happens. No, Joshua is this guy that says, You know what? We're going to have to move. You know what? We're going to have to step out in faith. There's some things that we're going to have to do. In fact, as Joshua said, you know what? You're going to have to consecrate yourself. Now, listen, that's not a word we use a whole lot today. Uh, that may not even be a word we really even understand. But the word consecrate means this. It just means to, to become more like God. It means to make some changes in our life to where we understand we've been set apart and we've been set apart from common purposes and, and we're to be holy and, and we're, we're God's child. And as a result of that, well, there's some things we must change in our life. There's some things we must do for ourselves to become more like Him, like life journaling and reading Scripture and, 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 and the Christian disciplines. Now, here's the crazy thing. 
A lot of times we want to change everybody else but ourselves. A lot of times, right? A lot of times we want to consecrate everybody else. We want to change our wife. We want to change our husband. We want to change uh, our friends. We want to change our boss. We want to change uh, our neighbor. A lot of times, you know what? We want to change everybody else. And God says, change yourself. Don't, listen, don't expect God to do something for you that you can do for yourself. And here's the most interesting thing about this story. Joshua never got up, got hung up on the how. Joshua never got hung up on how is God going to get us across the promised land? How is God going to take care of the king of Jericho? How is God going to take care of the giants in their land? Listen, they had a lot of bears. They had tons of bears. But see, Joshua understood. Joshua understood. Listen, the how is up to God. Listen, in your personal life, let me just speak into your personal life real quickly. In your personal life, if you get hung up on the how, how is God going to take care of this situation in my life? How is God going to put this relationship back together? How is God going to give me this relationship? How is God going to take care of this situation at work? How is God going to take care of this situation in my marriage? How is God going to take care of my children? Whatever you're going through. Listen, let me tell you something. If you get hung up on the how, it will paralyze you by fear. And it will keep you from moving. Listen, the how, that's up to God. The how, that's God's job. See, see, Joshua understood the how is God's job. And so Joshua focused on the why and the what. Why are we doing this and what does he want us to do? He wants us to consecrate ourselves. He wants us to change. He wants us to pull closely to him. He wants us to walk in faith. I mean, this is what, this is what the scripture talks about, just walking in obedience. And, and God has given fellowship of the Rockies a promise, Isaiah 43, 19. It's a promise that he gave me way back in, in, in 1994. And he says, behold... I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? That's why I've titled this message, Seeing is Believing. It's not hard to see what God is doing here. It's not hard to see the transformation, the lives changed after 19 vision desserts. Some of the most emotional part of the vision desserts is testimony after testimony after testimony of transformation and acceptance and changed lives. People getting given testimonies that I was accepted here and I wasn't judged and and I was free to to walk with God and follow God. And that as a result of that, there's some transformation that happened in my life. And he says, do you not see it? And then, then then the promise, and I'll make a way. I'll make, see, the how is up to God. I don't know how God's going to make a way. He just promised. Guess what? I'm going to make a way. And I'll make a way for you in, in the desert. And I'll make a way, if you read on, I'll make a way for you in the wilderness. If you will just follow me and if you will just trust me, if you'll just walk in obedience, I'll make a way. I'll make a way in your personal lives and I'll make a way corporately. The second principle is this. You're not going to believe what, what you will see tomorrow. If you follow God today, I'm telling you, you've got to understand what obedience brings in your life and what obedience brings in my life. You're not going to believe what you will see tomorrow. Seeing is believing. Man, if you'll just follow him today, if you'll just trust him today, look what Joshua said. So Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will will do wonders among you. Who will do the wonders? The Lord will. Not Joshua. Not the people. God's going to do the wonders. Why? Because he's the how. Why? Because he's the one that makes a way. Because he's promised. If you will just consecrate yourself, if you will just walk in obedience, you're not going to believe what I'm going to do in your midst in the days to come. 
I mean, when you just look at the history of Fellowship of the Rockies and you look at how faithful God has been for 20 years here in the church. In the Vision Desserts, we, we talked a lot about just what God has done in, in 20 years from, from planting a church here and from moving here. And, and it's just kind of crazy just to look back on our time and, and think of that every time we needed a place to meet, God provided that place. We met in over 18 different locations in the early days of Fellowship of the Rockies in a small town like Pueblo, Colorado. I mean, we were like moving every week. That's when we developed the slogan, if you can find us, you can join us. And uh, that's, how, that's what we started. We're, we're, moving, we're, we're moving in the 90s before, before Lifebook and uh, Lifebook, before Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a social media guru. And text and Twitter and, and, and Instagram and email. We had something called the U.S. Post Office, and that's about, in fax machines, that's all we had. And I, I just look back on all the locations we've been in and think about all the schools. We've been in, in, in some high schools. We've been in South High School. We've been in East High School. We've been in Ron Colley Middle School. Uh, we've been in Mineral Palace Park. We've worshipped there. One of my favorite parks we're in is Big Lizard Pavilion out on the, out on the, uh, out on the, on the reservoir. And, we, and since there was water there, we baptized a bunch of folks. And so, uh, so, I mean, it was a baptism service. And, I mean, it was just awesome. And uh, we've been at Mineral Palace Park. I think I said that. We've been at the Arts Center. We've been at the convention center. We've been at the state fair. We'll be there again uh, Christmas Eve. I mean, we've been, we have been all over. We've been in office buildings. We, we started out meeting in homes. We've been, we, we had 27 location changes in the early days. And guess what? God always made a way. And then when we started running out of places to meet, he gave us this building. This building had been on the market for a little bit over two years for $1.2 million dollars. And when we ran out of places to be and we didn't know where we were going to be, God gave us this place. And we didn't pay $1.2 million. We paid $475,000 for this facility. It, it was a God thing. I mean, you just look back on our history and see God continually has made a way for us. In 2010, 2011, we were looking for land. And we realized 12 to 15 acres of raw ground in Pueblo, Colorado was going to cost us $4 million. And we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know if we'd ever be able to find land. And then God, in 2011, gave us not 10 acres or 12 acres or 15 acres, but God gave us 50 acres that appraised for over $4 million that we only paid $365,000 for. I mean, when you just, I mean, I mean, Scripture says, if you'll just be obedient to me, if you'll just follow me, then I'll do wonders. And I, I, will, I will make a way. I'm telling you, if you will just trust him in life. And the interesting thing about the story of Joshua, Joshua said when the Ark of the Covenant passes before you, you, you follow it. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was the picture of the presence of God. But in case you don't know about the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant, which is a simple uh, uh, wooden box, had three things in the Ark of the Covenant. It had a quart of a half of a quart of manna, which, which was symbolic of the, the, uh, the provisions of God. There was Aaron's rod that Moses used, that Rays used to split the Red Sea. And so that was symbolic of the power of God. And then also in the Ark of the Covenant, the third thing that was in the Ark was the Ten Commandments, the law. In other words, that was symbolic of 
obedience. And listen, let me tell you something. There's a, there's a lot of contemporary Christians that, 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 that we want to we pull out the power of God. And we want to pull out the provisions of God. And we want, to, we want God to answer all of our prayers. And we want God to provide for us. And we want God to take care of us. And we want to see all these blessings. But we want to leave the law in the ark. We want to leave the obedience in the ark. And I'm telling you, obedience is what? Because it's in the ark too. And obedience in your life and obedience in my life is what brings the provisions of God in your life. It's what brings the power of God in your life. In other words, obedience is what unlocks everything else. And this is what uh, Joshua was trying to get them to understand is that when you see the Ark of the Covenant move, just move with it. When you see God move, just move with it. That's what Isaiah 43, 19 says. Don't you see what I'm doing? Don't you see how I'm moving? Just move with me. In other words, you cannot stay where you are and follow God. God is not stagnant. God is fluid. And God is moving. And there's a next step for every one of us. And the last thing is this. God reserves. God reserves His blessing tomorrow. For <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> uh, God, removes, God removes His blessings. God reserves His blessings. Tomorrow for those who prepare today. God reserves his blessings tomorrow for those who prepare today. Verse 5 again. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. In other words, do not expect God to do for you what you can do for yourself. You do your part, I'll do my part. And then he goes on. For tomorrow the Lord will, the Lord will do wonders among you. In other words, you, you pull close to him. December 5th and 6th is going to be celebration weekend here at Fellowship of the Rockies, and that's the day that we're going to celebrate what he has done today. That's the day that we're going to announce the, the faith number that you have pledged and that you have turned in. And then Joshua goes in verse 6, and, and the Scripture says, And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, Pass on before the people, so all of a sudden you see the obedience. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and they went before the people. And they followed, they followed the Ark, and they followed the Ark into the Jordan River. It was at flood stage, and they were about ready to cross at its widest point. Two million people, and God had promised them, you'll go across on dry ground. Now, theologians have calculated out and for two million people to cross the River Jordan on dry, dry ground, God, in fact, and by the way, this is a bigger miracle than the Red Sea. It's just that Charlton Heston made the Red Sea famous, and so, but, <laughs> but this, this is a bigger miracle. And so theologians have calculated for two million people to go across the Jordan River on dry ground, God would have to dry up about two miles of the river. You know how much God dried up? Ninety miles. Ninety miles. That's because God will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ever ask or you can ever imagine if you'll just trust Him. If you will not try to just take the power out of the ark or just the blessings out of the ark, but you take obedience, telling you obedience, obedience. That's why Joshua started off, just consecrate yourself. Just walk in obedience. Joshua chapter 21, verse 43. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. 
and they took so important and they took possession of it and they settled there god has given us 50 acres god took possession of the land first we should have never had an opportunity to buy the land god took possession first we have taken possession of it and we have not settled there yet because we are not there we are someone somewhere in the land of and we are somewhere in the land of and from taking possession of the land in settling there. And we are making a decision. We are moving out of the land of and. And we are walking as a church and as a group into the land that God has given us. That God has given us this land. I mean, we've had over 573 five people pray for this land and writing verses on rocks, um, names on rocks of people that they want to see come to Christ. It's been an unbelievable movement. And the scripture goes on in Joshua chapter 21, 43, or 44. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of, of all their enemies had withstood them. So he's answering the provisions, the power, and the, and the promises. For the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Verse 45 is just so critical to this story. Not one word of all. That word is, is, is highlighted, circled, starred in my Bible. All. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All. All. Have come to pass. God will make a way. God will make a way. If you will just trust Him. Our worship team is going to come out and they're going to lead us in just a time of worship as, as we just get ready to mark this moment spiritually when we make our commitments over and above what we're already given to this project to move into our promised land. And God had given us a promise in Isaiah 43, 19. He said, Behold, I'm doing a new thing now. It springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? I will make a way. The how? I don't know how. As your pastor, I'm just telling you, I don't know how. I don't know how God's going to do this. This is a big task. This is a big task. And it's going to take the sacrificial commitments of His people to just walk in obedience to Him. The how? That's up to Him. But God has done miracle after miracle after miracle in this place. The testimonies that we have. I failed to mention that in the history of Fellowship of the Rockies, we've had over 1,900 baptisms of transformation. So I'm just curious this morning. I'm, I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm just curious this morning. How many of you have been baptized in this church? Would you just raise your hands? <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. That right there spiritually is return on investment. When we make an investment into the, into the, into the kingdom of God, that is return on the investment. So all I'm asking you to do is do what Joshua and the children of Israel did. After God made a way, they crossed the River Jordan. They went back to the center of the river. Not on the shore, they went to the center. And they placed rocks. Because they wanted to mark that spiritually. And then Joshua told them, when your children ask, have you ever seen God move? 
Have you ever seen God do a miracle? Have you ever seen God provide for you? Then he says, you point to those rocks and you tell your children. And you tell your children's children. That's when God moved. I saw God do wonders. I saw God do miracles. So here's all I'm asking you to do. We're going to mark this.